morning, church. Surely I'm nervous now. <laughs> it's a privilege for, uh, for me to be able to share God's word uh, with you this morning. Um, yeah, for those who don't know me, my name is Eunice. I'm one of the elders uh, in our church. So today I'm going to pick... Um, it's a bit strange to hear my own voice. Uh, <laughs> today I'm going to pick uh, from the, uh, the book of Ephesians. So if you have Bibles... Uh, can you please open uh, Ephesians chapter 2? In fact, uh, I might ask you to continue have that Bible open because we're going to make reference to the to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 1 to 10. Let me read it for us. And you were dead in the trans- trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Let us pray. God in heaven, we thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to the congregation in Ephesus. Holy Spirit, as you were inspired Paul to write this letter, Holy Spirit, we pray that you also inspire us, open our mind, so we can understand your message, the message that were for the people in Ephesus, but also the same message for us here in Scoresby today, this morning. Lord, we humbly come to you, ask you to lead us. And I surrender myself to you. May you use me as your instrument to bless your church this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last year when I spoke at the uh, Christian Professional Fellowship, um, during the Q&A, one of the audience asked, I have a full-time job. I cannot leave my work for a month or two to do mission work. But I can give money to support mission organizations. Is that okay? Does it count as mission work? So that was the question. Does it count as a mission work if I just give money to support mission organizations? I also heard a few times, actually, uh, this kind of conversation. Uh, Have you been on a mission trip? 
Some would answer, no, I haven't been on a mission trip. But some say, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been on a mission trip. I've been to Cambodia, or they just name one of the country, or Uganda, just name one of the country. I've been on a mission trip. So what do you think of those kind of statements? Is there anything missing in that statement? We're going to dive into uh, 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 that questions uh, through, through the text that we, we, we just read. Yeah, just about about 200 days ago, Andrew preached about this same passage, Ephesians chapter 2. Anybody remember what's the title? But God. Yeah. Yeah, today we're going to look at this, this, uh, this chapter yeah, from a very different angle. Yeah. As uh, Andrew also mentioned that uh, the book of Ephesians, it's beautiful, the letter. Uh, it's like a, a movie that you want to watch over and over again, and then you kind of like discover new things. So this is something we would, we would like to hope that uh, this chapter 2, although we, many of us, we read it many times, and I pray that God will, will open a different angle for us to, to see. And I, yeah, thanks Kylie for selecting a few songs that actually really set the tone for, our, uh, for, for the message today. So let's uh, now, as I mentioned, uh, keep your Bible open because we want to dive into uh, the section by sections. The, the first part of the, the chapter 2, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is on whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So Paul reminded the Ephesians, uh, and also us today, that we were dead when we live in sin. Although physically we are alive, but NIV has a different translation. The NIV translation said, as for you, you were dead in your transgression and sin in which you used to live. You used to live when you follow the way of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So, the king, so once you walk and you used to live, that's kind of like the same thing. And then the power of the earth referred to the kingdom of Satan, the dominion of Satan. When we were sinners, we were under the control of Satan. We joined forces with Satan to against God and his will. We didn't want to follow God's commandment. Hence, we were known as, as the taxate son of disobedience, deliberately against God. So what happened when we disobey God? When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they were immediately confronted with God's justice and holiness. As we recall, the holiness of God cannot have a union with sin. Their disobedience led them to experience God's wrath. God threw them out of Eden, it was not only a physical separation from God, Adam and Eve also experienced spiritual separations. It was a horrible experience to be separated from the source of life. That is, by definition, is death. So first one to three spoke about sinners being essentially living that meant because they are under the wrath of God and the dominion of Satan. When Jesus was on the cross, he took our sins with him and experienced God's wrath. 
It's a horrible experience to be separated from God and under the wrath of God. Jesus understood that. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Moving to the next paragraph in the, in the text, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. Through Christ Jesus, we are made alive and have citizenship in heaven. We have a place in heaven. We have a place in heaven. Now the question is, but why are we still in this world? Why? Is it an accident? It's God forgot to take us to heaven. Now let's see. First, the next, say that these three verses, verse 8 to 10, these three verses are summarizing all the uh, Paul's teaching yeah, in all his letter. Verse 8. For, the great, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your, owing, your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So the focus of our sermon this morning is actually settled in these three verses. By grace you have been saved. Please pay attention. We are not saved by faith. Yeah, sometimes we forget. We thought that we're saved by faith. But we are saved by grace. By grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is a gift. We do not earn a gift. We cannot earn our salvations. Our sins were so big and we were under God's wrath. How can we escape from the dominion of Satan by ourselves? That is the reason Jesus had to die on the cross. He took the penalty so that we could be at peace with God. It is by grace we have been saved, not by our work, but by God's work. Now, the interesting part, when, 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 when Paul started to use the, the word work, then he moved into another, another side. We are his workmanship. Now, this is the part that it's, it's very interesting. So Holy Spirit guided Paul to use this word workmanship. We are God's workmanship. What does it mean by workmanship? Yeah, it is a very interesting choice of word. We hear, when we hear workmanship, we think of a beautiful made product, something that's beautiful. Yeah. So like this morning when I saw a um, beautiful red jumper that um, uh, Elijah wore, that's, that's beautiful. And then, to my surprise, he didn't say that, yeah, Kylie needed it. Uh, so when Elijah comes, you can see that, how it's beautiful. It's the, all the patterns and things. That's workmanship. Yeah. I love Persian rugs. I can spend hours in the shop and, and enjoy rugs. Yeah, I, I bought a few when, when we lived in Azerbaijan many, many years ago. 
because my house is not really suited for that, so I just enjoy a smaller version of the Persian rug, which is my, <laughs> my mouse pad. <laughs> this is one, this is, very, this is from Turkmenistan. So it's, it's beautiful. I can literally stay on this pattern. This is what they call the elephant legs. Yeah. Um, the choice of color, the patterns. When I saw it, it's a workmanship here. Yeah, if you enjoy rocks, you know what I mean. Yeah, you will, you will, you usually you just flip at the back, you'll start to see how many knots in, per inch square, and it's beautiful. It's workmanship. Uh, a size of this rock probably maybe a, could be about three meters and three by two. About four months, three people. And the symmetrical, obviously, sometimes I saw rocks that kind of like finish unevenly because they actually, it's not even so, but a really nice one. $4,000, $5,000, yeah. So that's workmanship. So when, when, when Paul used the word, we are God's workmanship. That, that, that's a very unique word to, to, to describe if you, if you imagine how highly needed that jumper or, or the, 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 the artisan needed that, this, this, this rock, like the number of hours, the passions, the visions, even it was just threat, nothing. It was just threat. It was just yarn, whether it's the silk yarn or the wool. But the vision, I'm going to make this yarn looks like that pattern where there's the tree of life, that's another Persian's pattern that's beautiful, or this elephant legs, and what kind of color I want to combine, and it become beautiful for people to enjoy workmanship. In us, we are God's workmanship. In us, how God's put hundreds of thousands of hours maybe, our life, Two months, three months, 20 years, 30 years. So workmanship involves patience, skill, passions, and clear visions. So we are not a product by accident. We are God's workmanship. The NIV Bible used different wording. The NIV Bible said, uh, the translations, we are God's handiwork, which also fits yeah. In Jeremiah 18, he said, O house of Israel, I cannot do with you, uh, can I not do with you as this porter has done? Declared the Lord. Behold, the clay in the porter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So we are like clay that's got, it's a porter. So we, now we understand the word workmanship. And then let's move into the next word, created. Created in Christ Jesus. Why do we need to be created? Remember, first one of this chapter said, we were dead in our transgressions, in our transgression and sins. To be alive, we need to be created again. The old had passed, has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So now, what is the purpose God created us in, in, in Christ Jesus? It's in the text. 
we were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Translations call, we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good works. It is the reason why we are still in this world. If you are asking, if we already have a seat in heaven, but why are we still in this world? This is the reason why we are still in the world. We were created for God's good works, which God prepared beforehand. Each of us has a mission from God. Therefore, our presence in this world is no longer an accident. God created us in Jesus Christ so we can be an extension of His hands to bring His kingdom to this world. From John chapter 17, we also learn that Jesus was the one that sent us into the world. John 17, verse 15 to 18. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. This is Jesus pray uh, to His Father. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. When you send somebody, someone to another place, that person carry your mission. Yeah? When we send somebody, yeah? if I send my son to Woolies to buy something, that's a mission. So, yeah? so that person is carrying my missions. Otherwise, why would you send somebody? So the word send has, has, has that meaning of, of, of mission. So when Jesus sent us into the world, he also had a mission for us. So technically, all Christians are missionaries. Yeah. That's, no, the Great Commission is for all of us. Where is the Great Commission? You know, it's Matthew 28. Can I invite us to open Matthew 28? The last part of uh, Matthew 28. Yeah. So looking at Matthew 28. So the Great Commission is 28 verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the ages. So let's look at that word. Verse 19, Therefore, go. So therefore, go, it also can be translated as you are going. That's the main, main word. It is a participle with imperative sense. Yeah. Therefore, go. So basically say, as you are going, as you are going, or while you are going, or while you are going about your whole life, be making disciples, be baptizing them, and be teaching them everything Christ has commanded us. As you are going about your whole life. Every aspect of our life. Yeah. Now come back to, to, to Ephesians chapter 2. For we are His workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand. Beforehand, the mission of, from God has been prepared for us even before we were saved. The concept of accident or ad hoc does not fit here. God already prepared the mission for us in advance. You may have heard many self-development teachings today in social media, movie, and articles focusing on creating your own identity. Yeah? Like, be yourself. Be who you are, not what other tells you. Or, do whatever you want as long as you are happy. Or, create your own mission. Don't let others decide it for you. And sometimes you also heard that, uh, uh, urging the young people to be, I am what I choose to be. So all these things are very dangerous, toxic. The point that I want to bring home here is that God has created us to do good works and want us to do His mission that He prepared beforehand. So the sentence that I mentioned above, like be yourself, be who you are, it seems okay, but when it, it, it sounds empowering, but we must carefully assess those, those statements, the motive of those statements as many of those statements, has a strong motive to against God. This is similar to Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 2, that's uh, basically saying, uh, saying that those are the people who are part of the son of disobedience. Our identity is clear. We are God's, uh, God created us in His image. We don't need to create another self-image. We don't need to create another mission's. Instead of creating, we should discover what God has in store for us. So all the popular message, all the, the, the self-development message about be who you are, create what you, your own missions, those, are, those, those is very basically pointless because God's already created us with a clear identity, with a clear mission. God's already provided for us. So, 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 but the, obviously what we know that the, 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 the New Age movement or the, the postmodernism movement try to bring us away from that thinking and say, be who you are. So that, that's really pointless. Yeah. So what are those good works? The good works. What are those good works? These good works are for us to walk in them. Yeah. We may tend to limit the good works so now come back to the Ephesians chapter 2. We may tend to limit the good works to Christian activities like worship, Bible study, caring for poor. Yeah, those are part of the good works, but that's not all. So too limiting. God cares about the whole of our life. Good works should cover the entire aspect of human life. It covers all activities from Sunday to Saturday if your first day of the week is Sunday, or from Monday to Sunday. So, the point is that how do we live our life if it's Sunday to Saturday? How do we live our life at a church, with our family, neighborhood, at our workplace, at the gym? soccer pitch, everywhere. That means doing good work in our ordinary life and activities. Through good work, we give glory to God. If we limit good work just for those, 
that means God's glory won't be shown in other places. It's only staying in those places. If good works only happen inside the church building, inside Christian home, so when can good works be seen in the school classroom? At the boardroom? At the courtroom? At the restaurant, if we work in the restaurant? At the soccer field, if we are coach? At the parliament, if we are politicians? If good works means only going to church or serve the poor or all, limiting all those places. No, it is beyond that. Back to the Great Commissions. While you are going about your life, while you are going about your life, make disciples, baptize them and teach them. When you are going about your life as a nurse in the hospital, be making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. If we have teachers in these congregations, when you are going about your life as a teacher in the classroom, in the school, be making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. So doing good work is actually, is actually quite simple. Yeah. So if you want to see uh, how actually from Ephesians chapter 2, when God, when Paul already prepared all these things. And if you move fast forward to Ephesians chapter 4, if you move to Ephesians 4, uh, verse 25, you will see how actually good works can be translated into a very simple things. Yeah? Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. See, it's very simple. Speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your, on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. Yeah? If we always come to work late. <laughs> yeah, so don't steal. But rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hand, so that he may have something to share with one another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fit the occasions and so on and so forth. So when Paul mentioned about good works, it's all that simple thing, but as we go about our life, in our neighbor, at our office. Abraham Kuiper, some of us may have heard the name. He was the prime minister of the Netherlands between 1901 to 1905, many, many years ago. But he's also a theologian and a journalist. He said, it's a beautiful word here, he said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Let me repeat again. There is, no, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence overall, does not cry, mine. The whole domain of human existence includes music, sports, economy, law, education, all those domains. Those are the places God wants us to do good works. Yes, God loves humans and wants to save us. God wants to save lawyers, teachers, doctors, accountants, politicians. God cares for lawyers, but God also cares about the law. That means God wants Christian lawyers to influence law practice in the courtroom, boardroom, society. That is God's mission. God cares for engineers. And He also cares about engineering. God cares for educators and He also cares about educations. God cares about parents, but He also 
care about parenting. I think you got the idea now. You can fill in that blank. You can continue that sentence with your own situations. Even if you are a student, retired, or in between jobs, God cares for you and wants you to have a mission in your current circumstances. Friends, if you have noticed from our church newsletter that today's titles, the sermon of today's is Everyday Missionary. This is us. That's you and me. That's us. We don't have to go to the third world country to claim that we've been on a mission trip. Remember the, the conversation. The minute we walk out from this student center, we basically enter the mission field. I put that. There are two posters when you go out from the wall, from, from this room. Basically, when we get up from this room, we are entering the mission field. God gave us, God gave us by giving His own, one and only Son. God save us. Die on the cross so the wrath of God may be satisfied. The punishment, of, uh, the punishment Jesus took allowed us to be reconciled with God and we could have a new life so that we can do good works. Before I conclude this sermon, I want to invite Pastor Bill to lead us into the Lord's Supper to remember Jesus' love and sacrifice for us.